Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Friday, January the 26th, 2024. It is the feast of St. Timothy and Titus, as well as the third Friday in ordinary time. Our reading today is from the gospel according to St. Mark. Jesus said to the crowds, this is how it is with the kingdom of God. It is as if a man were to scatter seed on the land and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He knows not how. Of its own accord, the land yields fruit, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe, he wields the sickle at once, for the harvest has come. He said, To what shall we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable can we use for it? It is like a mustard seed that when it is sown in the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. But once it is sown, it springs up and becomes the largest of plants and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the sky can dwell in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to understand it. Without parables, he did not speak to them. But to his own disciples, he explained everything in private. As I often say when I do this, I pray, I spend time with the scriptures, I come up with something to say, and then at the moment I'm reading them, all these other things come to me. And maybe that's a distraction, or maybe that's a fruit of prayer. I was just thinking as I read this, you know, uh, everything in life, such as plants growing, which is the image Jesus is giving us here. Everything in life follows a set of rules. I was telling some of my students today about a priest friend of mine who helps very particular people, people with particular problems. And he says, you know, all you have to do is follow the rules and we can help people with these problems. The problem is people don't want to follow the rules. People want to make up the rules as they go. And then they wonder why they never heal. They wonder why they never succeed. It's the same thing with the church. And this is just a source of endless frustration for me. There are certain things we're supposed to be doing. And when we do those things, the church grows. There are certain things that if we do not do them, if we do other things, then the church will not grow, just like a family will not grow. A person will not grow. If you feed a child motor oil, they're not going to grow and be healthy. They're going to get sick and die. If you take pudding and put it into your car engine, it's not going to run. You know, the definition of insanity, they say, is to do the same thing over and over again and try to get a different result. So with the church today, as... Certain areas are thriving and other areas are shrinking and falling apart. We have to look and say, well, what are they doing that's different? It's not just about circumstance where we just throw our hands up and say, well, woe is me. You know, there's nothing we can do about this. It's just the way it is. But it has to do with, as I mentioned yesterday, following the mission statement of the church. Jesus said, go out, preach the good news. Pray over people. Heal them with your hands. Drive out the devil. This is the mission of the church. It's a spiritual mission primarily. 
It's about preaching and teaching and sanctifying. This is what our faith teaches us. When we do the things we're supposed to do, then we see growth. Then we see success, and it's exponential growth. This is such a profound reading. You know, the mustard seed starts out as the smallest seed and becomes the largest of plants. How does that happen? It happens very often in a hidden way. It's not something we understand, and that drives the point home even more. It's not something we can control. We're just supposed to do the right thing. So even if I'm trying to help other people to grow, I first have to be growing myself, working on my own defects, turning away from my own sins, getting to confession, getting to the Eucharist, spending time in prayer. This is the recipe for success. So what I was going to talk about today was fatherhood, because <laughs> fatherhood is tied to this theme in a lot of different ways. We celebrate St. Timothy and Titus in the letter of Paul to St. Timothy, we see Paul referring to Timothy as his son. Paul was like a father to Timothy. And Timothy was very successful in a spiritual manner, but also in a worldly way. He became a bishop and he developed a large following and he did a lot of good. But that was after Paul planted the seed in him, watered the seed in him, the word of God, our faith. So St. Paul ends up giving birth, so to speak, to a whole new generation in the church through his own fatherhood. St. Paul's job, as we talked about yesterday, was to go around and plant seeds, go around and evangelize the world. And to those who listened, those who followed his message, those who lived their faith, there was great success. These churches grew and they thrived. And why is he writing letters? Well, he's writing letters because not all of them did what they were supposed to do. As St. John says in the book of Revelation, some of them have fallen away from their first love. And so they need to be reminded. And as Jesus does in the book of Revelation, there's positive reminders and negative reminders. Little threat here and there, but also great promises. The victor will sit on the throne with me. To the victor, you will receive the bread of life. You will receive from the table of the Lord. All these beautiful promises. So fatherhood, when we look at the history of the church, I just, there's so many great saints that I love to emulate, that I love to follow. I, I didn't want to talk too much about St. John Bosco today. I was telling some of my students about him today and put his picture up on the wall because he's one of the great saints, one of the great patrons of youth ministry. I'm going to talk about him more next week because next week is his feast day. But here's a man who just simply did what was right, and he did it in a radical way. He did it in a powerful way, zealous way. And as a result, his following was thousands upon thousands upon thousands. He helped young people. He helped children. And so many of them were successful in so many ways, and he encouraged thousands to enter the priesthood. He did so much good in that fathering, that fathering according to the plan of Jesus. My patron saint, St. Charles Borromeo, once again, he was made the Bishop of Milan in a time where everything was corrupt. The church was corrupt. The world was corrupt. His uncle, the Pope, was trying to make things better in some ways, but he was somewhat corrupt as well. He made his teenage nephew, Bishop of Milan, Cardinal Archbishop of Milan. He couldn't get ordained until he was in his 20s but he was appointed as a teenager 
So what did he do? He took it seriously. And he prayed and he fasted and he studied. And then he went to Milan. His uncle said, you don't have to go there. Just stay in Rome. Live the good life with us. But he said, no, now that you've given me this task, I'm going to go actually live it. And what did he do? He followed the rules. He followed the mission statement of the church. He sanctified himself over all those years getting ready. And when he was finally ordained a bishop and consecrated and made a cardinal, he went up to Milan and he did for the people what he had already done for himself. He taught, he sanctified, he prayed, he fathered, he planted the seeds of our faith, and he became the number one reformer of the Council of Trent. As the Council of Trent, the reforms that were enacted in the 1500s were being spread all throughout the world. They said, Saint, take St. Saint Charles Barmeo as your model. I pray so much for our bishops, and I wish that they would read his writings and read his life and follow his example. He went up there to Milan, and he was on his feet the whole time. He went from parish to parish. He met with the people. He emboldened his priests. He encouraged his priests. He prayed with them. He had meals with them. He spent time with them. And the presbyterate got stronger and more united as a result. They helped the poor together, especially during the Black Plague. They lived in poverty, but they lived in a spirit of community, and it was a communal joy. And the people saw this, and they wanted to be part of it. He rebuilt the church in Milan in just about a decade or two. Because he was just doing what he was supposed to do. He followed the rules. He listened to Jesus. He didn't stay in Rome and live a corrupt life, as so many were getting away with at that time. No, he went to Milan and he served his people. And as a result, Milan thrived once again. The eldest, well, they, we call France the eldest daughter of the church, but Milan is the second most important see in the church, the second most important diocese after Rome itself. Yesterday, I talked about Pope John Paul. Once again, that fathering, traveling the world, planting the seeds. And what are the seeds? When we speak specifically, I mean, I just talked about Following the mission statement of the church, which we read about yesterday on the Feast of St. Paul, teaching, sanctifying, healing, but it's also the love languages. I always like to talk about the love languages. When we look at what Jesus did, Jesus wasn't going around establishing churches, although, yes, his apostles did that, and that's good because they, they took Christianity everywhere. They took it to all the major cities, and then from there it went to the countrysides. It went everywhere. The apostles, that was their job, found churches. Jesus was not into the founding of churches. Rather, he was fathering people. He was finding out where these people were hurting, where they were lonely, where they were disconnected, and he was connecting them. He was loving them. He was fathering them. The greatest of sinners felt love like they had never felt before, and they became the leaders of this new church because they had been fathered by Christ. Sometimes the stuff we got in this world is just so good. I mean, for most people, it's not, honestly. But sometimes it's so good, then the person's not open to grace. They're not open to what God wants to do through them and with them and for them. That's why Jesus says, it's the sick that need the doctor, not those who are healthy. 
And that's why the poor get in first. That's why the sinners become the greatest saints. So this is today's message. Like Paul, we are called to be father and mother to the people around us, producing then saints like Timothy and Titus. Jesus encourages us to love the people around us, to use those love languages. What are they? Presence, spending time. They say that's the most important one. We affirm people by simply giving them our time, giving them our presence. But also, there's the kind words and the compliments. There's the gift giving. There's the service, working for the good of others. And there's affection. And this is what Jesus did. This is what John Paul II did. This is what St. John Bosco did. This is what Charles Borromeo did. We are called to be father and mother. Pope John Paul talked about that all the time in his Theology of the Body. Remembering that if you are a woman, you are called to motherhood in one form or another. If you are a man, you are called to fatherhood in one form or another. And this is how we spread the church. We begin with the domestic church of our own families, and then we go forward to the rest of the world, anyone around us that we can be father or mother to. Jesus says, those who do my will and the will of my father, they are brother and sister and mother to me. That includes father as well. Although, of course, it's only a reflection of our father in heaven. It's only an image of him. It's only a symbol of him. So it's through that fatherhood, that planting of seeds, and just loving the people around us, especially those given to us for special purposes. Students, children, parishioners, whoever we are and whoever they are, we are called to love, we are called to give, and if we're doing those things that we're supposed to be doing and not getting caught up in all kinds of details that distract us, then we will see the church thrive once again. Have a great day. God bless you.